I will say this, that when you simply quote a message that's straight out of the Bible, one of the books of the Bible or something like that, it's almost hard to handle. It's, it's so intense because it's so... Paul's words or Jesus' words or Peter's words are so... Every word is so powerful. Well, hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 183. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. And uh, this week's guest is Pastor Wayne Taylor. Um, Wayne Taylor, he is the real deal. Um, He is a man who really loves the Lord. Um, He is a a church planting pioneer. He is a sender of missionaries and church planters, uh, an equipper of leaders and a pastor to pastors. Um, And this conversation is actually Wayne speaking with Nick Cady. And uh, Wayne and Nick speak about the importance of like eye contact, even the value of intentional memorization of the scriptures, and so much more. Uh, This is a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to listen to it. Uh, First, before that takes place, let me just invite you uh, to two things. Uh, Very briefly, you need to know about the September 17th and 18th in-person training event that's taking place in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, You can visit our website, expositorscollective.com, to find out more details and to register. Uh, Think about coming or think about sponsoring someone else to come to the in-person training event. There'll be more information at the end of this episode. And the second invitation that I want to give to you is you're invited to our Facebook community. If you go to facebook.com slash groups slash Expositors Collective, um, there is a private group where uh, we, where, where many people discuss the latest episode, ask questions, get recommendations, uh, get feedback. And it's a, a great, vital online hub to kind of geek out about sermon preparation and delivery. So you're invited to join that group. ExpositorsCollective.com is the website and Facebook.com slash groups slash Expositors Collective is our private group. Okay, after those invitations, now I'm going to get out of the way and let you listen in on this great conversation between Nick Cady and Wayne Taylor. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. This is Nick Cady. I'm joined today by Pastor Wayne Taylor. Hey, Wayne. Hey, Nick. Good to have you today. Maybe, Wayne, could you please tell some of our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm now an older man, but I was raised by a wonderful Christian mom. Um, My mom was married to a raging alcoholic, which was my dad. Um, He actually had a great personality, but um, alcohol you know, tainted it and enslaved him to some meanness. But in the end, he came to Jesus, so I'm super happy. And the greatest thing, I think, these days about our life, Kathy and I, my wife, is that we have 11 grandkids from four of our kids that we had who married a wonderful spouses. So, yeah, that's a little bit. Yeah, and so when you were a pastor in Seattle, founding pastor, 
Is that right? Of Calvary Fellowship? Founding pastor of Calvary Fellowship. And you pastored there for 42 years? Yes. And one thing that I heard you say the other day that I thought was, wow, that's, that's incredible fruit, is that you said 55 churches have been planted out of Calvary Fellowship. And half of those are abroad. Half of those are in the United States, mostly in right. the Pacific Northwest. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's great. And so you also are the founder of the Calvary Bible College in Seattle. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. And so uh, really glad to have you on the podcast and just wanted to ask you, one of the things that we often begin the, the podcast with is asking each guest, you know, tell us about the first sermon you preached. How did it go? And how the, tell us the story, you know? Yes. I don't remember the first sermon, but I remember an early sermon where um, I spoke, I forget what part of the Bible, but the lady came from Southern California, from Pastor Chuck's church, just to see what was going on here. And we were a brand new work. And it was probably one of the early, early messages. And she came up afterwards and said, you did pretty good. And I go, oh, thank you. And I, I mean, I actually didn't know what to say, you know, but she, you did pretty good. And I go, well, you know, I'm growing. She says, well, it wasn't as good as Pastor Chuck. And I go, well, no, that's true. And um, just pray for me, you know, that I'll, I'll keep growing. But that was kind of discouraging, to be honest. Mm. And yet it didn't cause me to quit. It just caused me to keep digging in and not worry about what people say. Well, where did you preach your very first sermon? I mean, did you, when you grew up in a Christian church, is that right? I did. I grew up in an Assembly of God church. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have any opportunities to preach or teach in that setting? Or was it after you had gone out and I know you were a musician. Um, I was a musician and I did preach in the youth group and um, did some speaking in the college group. But they were not like Calvary in the sense that they were raising up young men themselves to send out to ministry because we know Calvary Chapel is a um, it's a movement that included mass church planting mm -hmm. and not necessarily encouraging or insisting that you have to go to formal school in order to do it. Whereas the AG that I was in, they did insist on that. And so I actually went to a, a Christian college, Northwest University in, in Kirkland, Washington, and it was super helpful. I learned um, some good theology, Greek, things like that. But I only went for like a year. And then the Lord opened up this door through music to go out and preach. We were invited to hundreds of high schools, junior highs, colleges, and just concerts. It, it was, there was just such a hunger for the kind of music we were doing, which was rock music, but all about Jesus. Mm. Yeah. And so it sounds like some of your preaching, you know, you're doing it from the stage, maybe you're doing it in front of uh, classrooms. And I wonder if that shaped the way that you preach as opposed to somebody who, who maybe learns to preach in a different setting. Maybe because it was evangelistic in nature, because it was, you know, you're in front of a classroom of kids. Mm -hmm. And so you don't want to stand behind some kind of pulpit or music stand with, a, with notes and just read them. Mm -hmm. You probably want to be more engaging, I would assume, when you're dealing with audiences and you're performing music and then 
speaking from your heart about the Lord. And so one of the things that I wanted to talk to I you about. I actually changed a bit mm-hmm. um, to that now. Um, I was more like a standard Chuck Smith type thing um, for many years. And then as I got older, I, you're right. I went back to more, I mean, I've always been very desirous to evangelize. And so it, it always was, was a preaching style, um, but also teaching and insight to try to draw them to learn more about Jesus and God. So that's a good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I just wanted to talk about it for a sec. Well, let's talk about it more because uh, one of the things that struck me in the time that I've, I've heard you speak and seen you speak, because that's the thing about, um, for me, it, it's not just striking to hear the words that you say. It's striking to watch you preach because you preach in a way where you're not tied behind a pulpit. Um, you're very much moving around, holding your Bible, and just looking people in the eye. Right. To me, I notice now that I've gotten a little closer to you when you're preaching, you actually do have some notes. Yeah. But when I was, let's say, sitting out in the congregation, maybe at a conference or something, it appeared to me that you didn't have any notes at all. Right. And so I remember one time in particular when I heard you preach at a missionary conference in Austria, and you were teaching from Ephesians, and you where you would read the text, but you weren't reading it. You were quoting it from memory. And you were just quoting the text from memory and not looking at your Bible. And I'm guessing there's probably a reason you do that. There's probably a a method or a reason for why you would preach in that way and and choose not to read the text, but to speak it. Tell us about that. Sure. I learned it from Hank Hanegraaff, who is... um, really good at memorizing um, the Bible. I do pretty well at memorizing. I don't use any of his methods or anything, but he preached one time on the Sermon on the Mount at our church, and he he just quoted the Sermon on the Mount. And I I was really taken aback. It was so dynamic. I will say this, that when you simply quote a message that's straight out of the Bible, one of the books of the Bible or something like that, it's almost hard to handle. Mm. It's, it's so intense because it's so... Paul's words or Jesus' words or Peter's words are so... Every word is so powerful. And I just wanted to try it. So I've, I've only done it maybe five or ten times. And I used to love memorizing short books or parts of books. So I memorized Ephesians, Philippians, 1 John, Romans 1 through 8 and 12. Um, You know, I I memorized certain passages. So Ephesians was such a good one. And I only do this in, in Christian circles where it might be a Bible college. I'll do it at a Bible college or, or sometimes I'll do it at a missionary conference or something. And I just wanted, number one, to see what it was like and, and almost to try to pretend like I'm Paul mm. delivering this message because I thought it would really help the missionaries. Was it in Austria that yeah. you heard it? And I thought, this one will really help the missionaries, and so I'm just going to share it. Plus, I'll have to admit, I like the look on their face. When you start out and you're just quoting and you're 
not, I'm not trying to pretend like I'm Paul, but I'm in a sense like Paul giving that message in my own inflection because it's, it really, when you memorize a certain book and so on, you get to where you're thinking like he is. Mm. You can, your, your, your thought processes go through the, some of the thought processes that he had. You're, you're like, man, what a thoughtful guy. I mean, mm. just incredible the way he'd go from one thing to the next. So anyway, but what happens is you're about maybe 10 or 20 verses in, and all of a sudden people, what they're looking at each other like, because they're surprised that you're just doing the Bible. Mm. And then they'll find, they'll try to find it, which they do. And by the end, everyone is just going, you missed one word there, you know. And it's pretty funny, actually. But the beauty of it is, is it brings that, that passage um, to light maybe in a different way. And it's, it's, there's just something to be said for um, dynamic reading of something, you know, that is really good. And, and the Bible is the ultimate in that. I heard somebody say that about Pastor Chuck Smith once. They said that he was an incredible reader of the Bible. Yeah. He had a great reading voice. He did. And a lot of times when you listen to some of his through the Bible stuff from his Sunday night services, you're listening to him. It's a lot of scripture. Yeah. And more scripture than comment in some cases. Right. And he had a great reading voice. That's true. It, and it was a dynamic reading voice. Yes. So, uh, and just tell us, why do you, what do you, what do you think the benefits are of preaching and not being so tied to your notes, but also tell me, how do you prepare for that? Because I, I have my own method. I'm sure every preacher, every teacher of the Bible has a method that they found that works for them. But how is it different to prepare to speak in a way that you're, you've got maybe some notes, but you're not really reading the manuscript. Right. Um, that's a very good question. And the reason is, just as I've heard you say, John Corson has brought out at times, because he has his notes written actually in his Bible, on his Bible and such. I, I've seen that, and they're small, a small amount of notes. But um, eye contact helps so much. Um, you can, I, I love to connect. I'm sure you do too. I love to just look people in the eye. And not just read something, but say it in a way that you can see where my heart's at on it, you know. And so there's a there's a whole body language and facial thing, and it's really great. And I'll zero in on people that, of course, want to hear it. But then there are some people, like I did a funeral one time, and I was sharing from, from Scripture and such, and this one gal was shaking her head. No, she did not want to hear it. She did. She wasn't a Christian, and this and that. But you know, I would, I would look. I would say certain things, not to rub it in, but just give her a smile, mm -hmm. and and let her know, you know, you're loved and such. So I'll zero in on people who may not understand. And you can, if you're watching your audience, you can tell if it's if it's if it's hitting the point. So you might need to take a different turn. But you have to be careful with that because you may be misreading. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's the eye contact that's good. And as far as how how it's done, I actually do. I I read real small lettering. I don't memorize it, but I have it all there. Pretty much every single thing, as you can see, 
it's there and it's 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 extensive and um see that wow so it's it's there but i don't memorize it but it's there in case i need to look at it and just start start at a new place that i'm going into so um it's more just to keep place but actually as i read it to myself two or three times um which I'll start maybe the night before if I'm speaking in a Sunday morning. I'll read it over once or twice, and then in the morning once or twice, and then boom, it's done. You know. Wow. Okay. Yeah. One thing that I've learned is that I used to be very much tied to my notes, and I'm learning not to be. Yeah. Part of what helps that is that now we're doing three Sunday morning services. By the third one, I don't need my notes, <laughs> right. which is nice. Um, but what I've learned is that you know, when I was really tied to my notes, I would look out sometimes above my notes and I would notice that a lot of people had their heads down. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, maybe they're taking notes, maybe mm-hmm. they're reading the scriptures that I'm speaking about. Yeah. But I think also if you're always looking at a person on the stage uh, and he's not looking at you, right? then you kind of disconnect. But I've noticed that since I've been speaking more apart from my notes and just looking people in the eye, yeah. mm-hmm. that now they're, they're looking at me and yeah. it's, I think that they're maybe more receptive to learning and yes. hearing in that way. And so that's definitely an area where personally I want to grow is being yeah. more like that. But it seems that what you're also touching on is the importance of empathy in preaching right. and being yep. an empathic speaker. And that, I think there's something to be said for that. Maybe, do you have any thoughts on that? Yes. I, I don't know. I, Jesus is the ultimate example and he he looked at people he I mean he had exactly the right words to say and he he just he you could tell he felt what they needed to hear even if it was um they, you know it, it, woe unto you Matthew 23, right? I mean, it may be something strong and he really needs to come on with it. He, he would do it. And it reached people. He would say, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees. Several Pharisees came to the Lord and they were reached, you know. So it's exciting. Not all of them, obviously, because they also put him to death. <laughs> but then after, a bunch of them came to the Lord. So I think that empathy and kind of feeling what you think the people might be going through or just what God is putting on your heart as you look into their eyes. Mm. It's interesting. It really is. One thing I found has helped me is that the more times I have of speaking about the Bible with people or let's say counseling with them or answering their questions in a way that's unscripted has really helped me because what I'll find is that I don't need to be so tied to my manuscript because when I'm in those situations, I'm not tied to it. It right. seems that having that scripture memorization, I think, yes. has really helped. That's true. And just being having that there, um, you know, storing it away in your mind and your heart, and then learning to speak about the Bible in an unscripted way, um, I think that that has helped me to go off notes sometimes. Yep. And like you're saying, when you really look into people's eyes and you can see, you know, you see the teenage girl sitting there who's just not having it and and <laughs> you maybe you change gears maybe you change the tone in your voice sure yep absolutely 
you can almost get words of knowledge when you feel you have to say something. Mm. And you want to say it in love, but you also want to be strong sometimes in love and say, if you're looking at porn, God wants you to know that he can free you because you feel terrible after you do it. You know, if you're a Christian, you love the Lord. So you need to repent now and, and he'll make it stick. He'll help you get over it, you know, and you'll, you'll find growth in, in the degree of temptation after a while. And I think there's a dynamic too, like you're saying, when you're preaching, when you're speaking to people, um, that yeah, the Lord is is going to be leading you, and you want to be you want to be led by the Lord in mm-hmm. that moment. And as I mentioned, three services—that's one of the things that I've learned. I've never been in a situation before where we have multiple services. We always had one, and now all of a sudden we have three. Yeah. And um, I've noticed that each one is different. Yep. And sometimes there will be different things where I go off script mm-hmm. and speak to this group, to that group. And it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. And it's, you know, it's also exciting being led by the Holy Spirit. That's super great. I'm Mm. so glad to hear that. That's well, Wayne, one next question for you. What do you consider to be particularly important when it comes to preaching and teaching? I think, you know, finding, um, the heart of the passage is really important. Now, oftentimes, there may be a couple of hearts of the passage. So you can, you can sort of build your, your message in context uh, with some cross-references around whatever heart is most needed, you know, at the time. Because you might be going through the Bible for the second time. And maybe you'll see, oh, this passage really had this brought out, but I, it was lesser uh, issue at the time when we were going through it last time. So I think finding the heart of the message that's timely and helpful for your flock or whatever flock you're speaking to um, is, is super great. And finding how the other parts of what Paul, Jesus, Peter, David the guys are talking about how it complements um, that passage and, 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 and actually extends the lesson um, not just, you know, in, a, in some simplistic way, but it goes to the root of the lesson. Yeah, Martin Lloyd-Jones has a whole thing on expository preaching. Of course, he wrote this book, Preaching and Preachers. And in yeah. that, he talks about how there's some people who think they're teaching expositorily, but they're not. And it's interesting that he writes this book, right? He, he's writing this, I think he wrote this book in 1980. Um, but he's writing to, it seems so relevant to today because uh, he, what he says, some people think they're teaching expository, but all they're doing is giving a running commentary. They'll read a verse, make some comments, read the next verse, make right. some comments, which are completely disconnected from the comments they made about the previous verse. And he goes, that's not expository preaching. Expository preaching is exactly what you said, mm-hmm. getting to the heart of that passage, then using other scriptures to come and you're, you're building that and you're revealing or exposing that core message. That's a big thing that we emphasize it as Expositors Collective Good. is that finding that big idea, that core of the passage. 
And so are there any tips or tricks or, or methods that you've found to help you identify that? Well, the first one is getting to one of the major hearts, whatever, whatever the heartfelt thing is, so that you can teach the context in some way. Um, that's first. From there, um, I think your mind has to be expanded to what angle is the writer going with it and try to get your brain into his thinking is is very very good i think that's tremendous and then i think expositorily you have the whole bible that talks about that heart like tomorrow i'm gonna look at a, a verse ephesians 2:10, and it's a dynamically powerful verse but there are several other verses in both Ephesians, Philippians that deal with the exact same thing, but from another angle that completes the topic and the heart of what you're trying to say and, and is just tremendous. And so Paul deals with it in, you know, two different churches, but actually all the churches, he speaks a little bit about this or that. And so you actually come up with a, of a very um, detailed picture of, you know, your subject, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, next question for you is this, that in this current season, you've, you've now handed over the church that you were pastoring for 42 years. Um, and now you're doing a lot of guest teaching. You're doing a lot of traveling. So I wanted to ask you, how is that different for you, you know, to be out of that rhythm of, of weekly sermon preparation, Sunday's always coming, how is it different for you, uh, guest teaching? Is there a difference in how you prepare or how, you, how your weekly rhythm goes? Yeah, that's, that's a very good question. And I think it's probably different for different um, itinerant speakers. Um, for me, I, I kind of feel like God wants me to bring something that can contribute to this church that I'm speaking in or these this group of people that I'm speaking to that maybe is needed for them and also find out what what is my life message in a way I have a few kind of life messages that maybe can inspire people in a certain direction like I feel like um, I am sort of a, a revivalist in a way you know Kind of, I like I like seeing bodies get really revived, mm -hmm. and into an awakening, a revival, a walking in the light kind of thing. You know, I really like that. I mean, you know, we're I was part of a awakening, a a revival, mm -hmm. and and it's it was a Jesus movement. So for me, it's still the same as it's always been, and I think it's a good thing, you know, to have a Jesus movement again. <laughs> if some people need to have their own Jesus movement, kind of, you know. So I, I think stirring up personal revival is one. I love evangelism. I love it when people bring friends who don't know the Lord. Many, many people come have come to the Lord, um, depending on the church. But even small churches, they'll bring a friend and someone will come to the Lord. So 
Um, yeah, those are the main uh, yeah, things. Yeah, how does your preparation look different now than it did when you were preaching week in and week out? One thing is that um, you're praying, okay, what do you want me to speak on? And maybe you say have 20 um, things that would really be a blessing and would be helpful. And that can grow because as you're reviewing stuff that you've studied and scriptures are coming alive afresh and new, then you might have another one as well. Well, so the, you're going over it, and as you go over it, there's a whole new revelation that is, that is stirred up in your heart. Plus the old that you learned already comes back to life and is added to. So you do really, you know, need... The, the rhythm thing that you said is super good for pastors, I'm, I'm telling you, and for me as a pastor. You miss that. Mm. So that's why I actually do an online um, okay. weekly right. study like I'm doing right now in Daniel. And I'm going through like it's my service, you yeah. know, my own little home service online. Um, and people like it. So it's good. So but it's kind of keeping you really fresh. But then these other things, you have to go over it again. And if if it comes to you in an even more dynamic way, then you're going, ooh, maybe God wants me to speak that to the, this group, you know. Yeah. That's good because I think uh, there are a fair number of people who listen to this podcast who are itinerants in the sense that they don't preach every week. Maybe they, they get asked to preach every yeah. couple months in their church or mm -hmm. um, and things like that. And so I'm, I'm sure there's some some important things for them to build into that routine. You know, I, I remember John Corson, he used to say this thing where he said that, you know, God calls the weak of this world. And he said, you know, he thinks that part of the reason why God calls some people into ministry is not only because God wants to use them, but because they need that rhythm in their life. Exactly. I think he kept Peter close because he didn't want him getting out of hand. Yeah. <laughs> and I need that. I'm, I'm one of these guys that I'm super glad I'm saved because it might not be good. <laughs> In fact, I know it wouldn't be good. What, what advice would you give to those who aren't preaching regularly, maybe preaching uh, not itinerantly, but, you know, Every couple of months, they get tapped to sure. fill in for the pastor or, or wherever they're teaching. Uh, what advice would you give to them in, as, as somebody who's doing that now? Well, I'm, I'm sure you would agree with this, that the main thing in preaching so that you really have the, um, the uncluttered connection between you and God is that you seek to live out what you're preaching, you know, that you, you stay close to Jesus. Um, cause you can spin out and you can still deliver the message. And the beauty is the message can still be good mm. to where God will use it, but you'll still be in a funk mm -hmm. <laughs> because you're not, you know, enjoying it yourself as far as living it. So that's one thing. Um, another thing is just study hard. Um, my, youngest son, Nick, is now on staff at a church um, as an assistant pastor and is eventually going to be um, part-time paid staff. And he is a tremendous preacher. And he tells me, and this is what I did and learned, even though he only teaches maybe once a month or 
or once every six weeks or something like that. He's digging in. He's really digging in. He's bathing his mind in that passage, and he's he's taking time. I talked to one guy um, yesterday or the day before here in Colorado. He says he he preaches, and but he doesn't preach all the time because he it takes him forty hours mm. to get a good message. And I remember when for me I could only do one a week f- at first um, because. I had to study to get it really down well, 30 to 40 hours a week, you know? Yeah. So, but the more you build up in knowledge, part of it is memory. You want to make the key verses when it comes to a key point, you want to be able to look them in the eye and say it. Mm-hmm. So memorizing those verses, I think, are, are, is really important. Cool. Well, last question for you. After all these years, 42 years of preaching week in and week out, how are you still growing as a preacher? How do you feel that you're still growing as a preacher? Probably the, the eye contact and the, cause the more you have taken in and the more opportunity you get to give it out, you gain confidence in what you have to say. You know, it's good and it's strong for the Lord um, and helpful to people and then if you can look them in the eye and and say it in a way that they know the Lord cares for them, then, you know, that that really is exciting. Yeah. Any last word for the younger preachers? Yeah, I just really want to encourage. There's a lot more churches to be planted. There's a lot more Bible teachers needed for all kinds of settings. Um, even starting a, a Bible study in your neighborhood, not necessarily to start a church, but just to help your the guys in your neighborhood grow. And that way you have a little Bible study for your neighbors, you know, mm-hmm. and you can share the gospel with the ones. Just start using those yeah. gifts, stirring yeah. them up, yeah. growing in them. Pastor Wayne, where can people find your teachings? You mentioned you're doing an online series. Where can people find that? Right now, unfortunately, I, I do have a um, hard drive that has, I think, teachings through the entire Bible, but I don't have them activated yet on a, on a platform. So the only place that people can get stuff right now is what I've been doing on Facebook live and they do, it is a video, so it's nice. And I have all of revelation and now I'm getting towards more than half of Daniel. Um, so that's about the only place right now is on my Facebook page and it's on both pastor Wayne Taylor and Wayne Taylor Facebook. Cool. We'll so, put links to those yeah. in the description. Sure. And uh, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, man. For speaking with Super us. Super good talking to you, brother. Well, thanks so much to both of you guys. You know, I love being able to conduct the interviews for this podcast. I love being able to to speak with preachers and kind of geek out about their their notes and their 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 routines and their rhythms. But something that I love almost as much, or maybe even more, is listening to Nick do it. So thank you so much, Nick, for handling uh, this interview. Uh, We're blessed and enriched by it. All right. So I do want to tell you that next week, we have another influential Northwest pastor, uh, Daniel Fusco is the guest on next week's episode. So make sure that you're subscribed. And now I'm going to allow Pastor Eric Cartier to invite you to the 
training event taking place in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Hello, this is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. I want to invite you to come join us for the Expositors Collective in September. We're hosting it here in Colorado Springs. It's a beautiful setting right by the mountains. But more importantly, this is a great time to be able to get equipped to teach God's Word. What I love most about the Expositors Collective is its focus on young people. For God to really raise up the next generation to communicate God's Word. We've never needed God's truth more than now. So if you're thinking about coming, consider yourself invited. We'd love to have you. It's going to be a great time.